So, hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Saddlecast for this season. Myself, Glyn Price, and I'm joined as usual by Ollie Warner. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, it's a, a <laughs> nice weekend, apart from football. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here we are again. Mm, yeah, I think, we, you know, we left we left fans last week in a, quite a positive mood, didn't we? Having just got four points from, from two league games and starting to look up the table a little bit more. But I think... Uh, Certainly a return to, to the, the, the narrative we had before that's that podcast, really, in terms of probably some more negative things to talk about, Ollie, and, and certainly some very concerning uh, incidents to have happened later in the week with us playing Fleetwood Town and losing 2-1, and obviously an earlier game um, in the Czech trade where we won 6-0. So, a bit of a weird week, but in general, Ollie, not, not a particularly positive one. No, I think the weather... Um, it's a good kind of yeah. It's been quite um, similar to Shrewsbury. I think the the storm came in over the weekend and yeah, um, yeah it's um, the storm is certainly here at the moment in terms of performances and um, the feelings from the fans. So yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting podcast and um, plenty for us to go at. And as you said, we'll scoop through the um, checker trade and then yeah. obviously we've got quite a lot to discuss for the Fleetwood game with a lot of discussion points um, being raised by ourselves um, and a lot of um, chat among the fans as well. There's a, a lot of debate going on at the moment. Yeah, that's it's a fair point. And so we've kind of tried to cover this this podcast off by reviewing the games as Ollie just said there and then we're actually going to try and hold our parrot back a little bit and have a section looking at where John Askey stands now because I think the, the narrative of the weekend uh, and, and, and the result personally for me and I think from everything you've seen as well Ollie is that there's been a sort of change in that fan base that we've been talking about possibly happening over the last few weeks hasn't there so yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I think it's going to go another good time to take stock of where John Askey is now and, and quite where he goes from now on. So yeah, we'll go through the games. We'll, we'll have a talk about John Askey um, and then we'll wrap it up there. So uh, yeah, let's move on, Ollie. Away eventually. Off it goes to Holt. He does really well. This is Humphrey. It's 2-0 Shrewsbury Town. So the first game this week was my, my beloved Checker Trade Trophy game, Ollie. You know how much I love the Checker Trade Trophy. Um, it was the second game in Group D. Um, Shrewsbury at home to Tranmere Rovers. And you know, despite everything and, and the negativities about this stupid competition, she actually went out and put a, put a good team performance in and won six nil against what was, by the sounds of it, quite a weak Tramir team. So that's really all I've got to say on the matter, Ollie. Um, I'll come to a, a bit in a minute about Mellon, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, you you run us through the team and, and what your observations were. Cool. So I watched this game on iFollow from the comfort of my own. Well done. Yeah, so I don't know, which would be interesting to know how many of you did actually watch it. It's obviously the stats that you don't get. No. In terms of stats of who were there, so the total attendance is 1,379, mm-hmm. um, with 113 from Tranmere, which is not bad going. It's more than um, fans. I think who were who Northampton playing? They had 40 fans there. Was it Oxford or somewhere like that? I can't remember. And they took 40, something like that. So, yes, not many. No, it wasn't many. many. And to be fair, attendances. Um, again, across the country, were massively low. There were there were four clubs that recorded less than a thousand again in the checker trade, yep. which is appalling. I think of those and those four clubs set their all time lowest attendances for um, competitive games. I think it was Port Vale, Walsall, Luton, and another team whose name escapes me now. Yeah, Walsall must have been down there because they only had thirteen yeah. or fourteen away fans. There was a debate online whether it was nine <laughs> or fourteen. Yeah, and even our attendance it dropped right down from the one eight. I think it was one thousand eight hundred osh for, for Man City. Um, in the first game, and that I think was the second I checked. I think it was the second or third lowest we've had in the revamp checker trade. So yeah, again, clearly you know tendencies are not picking up in this in this tournament. And um, yeah, it's a good job that the EFL are covering all the costs for clubs that are making a loss, yeah. aren't they? So there we go. So the team selection. So um, quite a few changes to the town team as you'd expect, and a change of formation. Um, so we lined up um, with um, with three central defenders, wing backs, three midfielders, and two strikers. So a, a three-five-two. Um, yep. We had Arnold in gold, Bolton, Kennedy, and Beckles in defence, which has got quite a nice bit of balance to it. Um, Emmanuel right wing back, Haynes left wing back, Norburn, 
um, Laurent and Doherty um, with Faye and John Lewis up front. Um, so yeah, we're, we'll cover this quite quickly. So Faye got a hat trick. Yeah. He was he played really well. Um, I thought Doherty really impressed. Mm-hmm. He had license to push forward, so he was really good. Um, Laurent was quite good as well, and um, um, Haynes was really effective um, as a wing back. Um, he was really good at pushing forward. He was crossing from both feet, um, so that was really good to see. So he was he was um, so for me they were the kind of the standout players. Um, I think the three five two worked really well um, with those players on the pitch. Um, there was a, a natural balance in the back in the back three, um, and, and both Emmanuel and Haynes do well as a, a wing back kind of job. Now, obviously, the challenge you have for this is you don't you don't have your best player um, in Warley in that kind of formation, um, and I think you'd have to fudge him in if you were yeah. to play wing backs. Um, so, so yes, it was a good performance, lots of nice goals against a weakened side, but it did give everyone a bit of lift, um, and it was nice to score some goals. So everyone kind of had a bit of a positive from this. Yeah. So yeah, so you've got maybe a question about Askey did this play on his mind for the selection on the next game and also you wanted to say something about Mickey Mellon yeah I suppose because the first time he's obviously come back to the club so we'll touch on that in a minute I just wanted to pick up one of your other points actually you talked about confidence and you know when we just got four points from the last two league games and things were looking up it felt really like this was the kind of perfect result you'd want for one of these sort of knockabout checker trade games really you know keep that confidence flowing it got some of the fringe players involved so you know I could see the merits in that um, but actually it may be the merits of it were a little bit too overly played in terms of the fact that Askey's obviously seen how well they did in that game and thought well you know John Lewis has had a good game and Ockenberry's come in and scored a hat trick and you know maybe I want to try and get those guys into my team because they're in form and actually as we're going to come to in a little bit it was completely the wrong thing to do so maybe it was this this result was so well that actually it had an effect on that on that next game what do you think Ollie? Yeah I think obviously there's there's definitely merits your argument there in terms of John Lewis and face start the next game on Fleetwood I think Tranmere's performance was quite poor, but at the same at the same time um, on Tuesday night, I was keen to kind of highlight the positives. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to give the players credit. You know, they they, they can't decide what team um, Tranmere put out, and it was a good performance. And not it was just good performance, with some good goals. We were shooting from inside the box. So some of the things that we've been quite critical of them of, you know, in terms of shooting from distance, um, you know, the kind of we, they were doing the things that you'd want to see from the team. So shooting in the box. Yep. Yep. Um, and Faye's accuracy was um, a particular highlight. Um, and I guess a highlight, really, I guess, for the fans was then Mickey Mellon at the end. Yeah, so I think it was good, actually. You know, we had some good times under Mickey, didn't we? And I think if you, if you go back to, I think it was only our 11th episode ever of the Salopcast, where we obviously lost Mickey at that point, didn't we? And we did a retrospective looking back at Mickey. I don't think anything's really changed. We were very much of the opinion that he had to go then um, because it had just got so poor. And, and we'll come to poor runs later on. Um but, you know, when you look back, we'd actually had some good times, the promotion and all that sort of thing. So I think it was really good for him to have on his first comeback here for the fans that were there to have respected him with, with the sort of ovation he got. And also, he was really good at the end. He sort of went around and clapped all the fans that were there as well and sort of with some vigour, which was really nice to see. Um, so I was quite I was quite pleased with that in terms of, of, of what, it was, what, what came from our fans and also what Mickey gave us back. So, yeah, that was good. But, yeah, there we go. I suppose it's yeah. uh, the checker trade done. You know, it looks like we'll probably go through that group now if we just get one more. I think even a draw will probably put us through. So... Yeah, you knows? know more than me, Glenn. You know more than me. Off to the final <laughs> again, Ollie. But who knows? Yeah. So let's close that game down quite quickly. Yeah. So we won six nil, some positives, and obviously all the attention came to yeah. um, to Saturday, an international um, weekend break. So the game was available and I follow. So let's jump into Fleetwood. However, the numerical disadvantage didn't stop the Shrews from going further in front. Louis Dodds finishing coolly and doubling the Shrews' lead. So Fleetwood two, Shrewsbury Town one. Um, attendance less than three thousand. Imagine a few Shrewsbury fans 
um, maybe watch an eye follow. But 464 brave souls uh, made the trip um, to Fleetwood. Um, the attendance, yeah, it's a very good number from the town fans. So we lost, unfortunately, two goals in the first half of Fleetwood um, after a very poor first half performance. Very poor? Is that as far as you're willing to go, Ollie? <laughs> I'm being polite at the moment. Um, and yeah, if we remember, it was a second home win for Fleetwood, who haven't done that well at home all season. Yeah. Um, but there was a bit of a surprise, wasn't there, Glyn? So we we lined up in a 4-4-2. Unbelievably, well, I suppose unbelievably so. I mean, there's been a big debate around 442, hasn't there, for a few weeks? Some people wanting it, and we initially at the start of the season, I was suggesting maybe this would be something for us, but I'd seen in particularly the Scunthorpe away game and I think one other game when we'd gone 4 4 2 at the end of games, how weak it had, and exposed it had left us. So I was a little bit surprised to see us go with this in a game such as this at Fleetwood when they're, they're known as a pretty you know robust team, I suppose. But yeah, the team selection was Coleman, got, came back in goal, obviously replaced Arnold from the Czech trade. And then the back four was Emmanuel, Waterfall, Sadler and Beckles, which picks itself. Um, the midfield four was Wally and Gilead on the wings with Laurent and Norburn central midfield. Um, and then John Lewis was back up front in a league game. Christ. And Faye retained his place from the Czech trade game because obviously he scored a hat-trick and you know you play a player in form. But there was a whole load of points you could pick out in that team selection, wasn't there, Ollie? Jesus. Yeah, there was. There was a lot of debate online. Was it a 4-3-3? Was it a 4 4-4-2, 4-1-1? You know, you could have put the little players everywhere. Was he going to play one in central midfield again? But yeah, I was quite surprised to kind of see how we lined up um, I was even more surprised to see that John Lewis was starting, Shocked. considering Holloway and Angle was on the bench. Yeah. And yeah, so I was really kind of interested to see how we started. And when we started, <laughs> Faye was dropping back a bit. But as soon as, you know, after like the whole kind of the half, it was clear to see we were playing straight up 4-4-2. Yeah, about as static as you can possibly play 4-4-2, yeah. wasn't it? And, the, and you know... The huge gaps yeah, the gap between everyone. This is the main talking point from the first half, Ollie, is the gaps, isn't it? You know, we'll we'll talk about how badly we started the game. But, you, you know, we watched on iFollow. We didn't go to Fleetwood this week and, and, and I watched it on my big TV here. Got it actually working and it looked pretty good actually. No no problems with I follow Ollie, which was which was fantastic. Yeah, it this was time. good. Um, but holy moly, the the gaps were unbelievable. You know, Sadler and 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 Beckles, sorry, Sadler and Waterfall were just so deep, and they were absolutely nowhere near the two central midfielders who were obviously wanting to try and get forward because that's probably more their game. Um, and the thing that stood out to me straight away was, and I've said this before on the podcast a few times now, is. Grant is the most important player to us. He offers such a defensive shield, which masks a lot of the problems that Waterfall particularly and, and Sadler with his lack of pace have. And as soon as he seems to have gone missing and, and Norburn and Laurent were, were trying their best to get forward and, and cover as much as they could, the centre-backs was completely exposed. And it was very concerning to see how exposed they were, to be honest with you, Wally. Yeah, it wasn't just a bad start in terms of position and, um, and tactics um, and shape. Um, and the huge gap that there was between like <laughs> halfway line and where our, our our central defenders were kind of sitting in reserve. Yeah, yeah, and then Fleetwood just took complete advantage of that. They were passing the ball. I mean, they changed the team around, and they just started passing and dominating the middle of the park. And you know, the first goal um, didn't take that long. You know, they scored their first goal after 19 minutes. Yeah, um, but Coleman um, did a great job of keeping um, keeping it nil nil up to that point. Um, yeah, Hunter um, was was kind of um, harrying and kind of taking and jumping around all over the pitch in the spaces um, and the right winger was particularly they were really targeting Beckles I thought 
Yeah, and and I think you're really wise to have pointed out that Joey Barton made a change, didn't he, to their tactics, and yeah. and that paid dividends because we started poorly in the whole game, but it was you know the first five minutes was just dull and, and not a very interesting game. I thought you know both teams were trying to get to grips to it. It was wet. That you know we should talk about the pitch. It was sodden in the corners. Yeah, you should. So what was it like in the corners? And just to kind of cover that point, it, off. it looks because from the TV, you know, every time the ball went down there, it was actually sort of slowing down, and you could see the water coming off the ball. And I think it was really giving Beckles problems. But the first five minutes, it was just a crap game to be honest. We were probably yeah, it was. Game. Both teams quite poor. And as soon as John, as soon as Barton kind of saw what we were doing, and I'd, I bet he'd been surprised to see us line up four four two. To be honest with you, he tinkered around with it, and it, he just took control of the game. And, and it just worried me to think that we've got this, you know, new manager who's, you know, this 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 character that is Joey Barton that's new into management, and just within ten minutes he'd figured out John Askey completely, and and that was it, and just took the game away from us. Yeah, in the first thirty thirty five minutes, I think I even tweeted that he schooled him. You know, he's like. Mm. Yeah, he's uh, you know tactically outwitted him, and fair play to Joey Barton. You know he's he's going to have his um you know he's going to have his critics, but he seems to get his his team working hard. He's doing a good job, um, and they played some nice football. And yeah, the um like in terms of um just before we get to the goals, as I said Coleman did a really good save from a corner, um and there were yeah there was quite a few opportunities they had, and then finally um Fleetwood would do, kept the ball for ages. Um, they were passing around trying to find gaps. Yep. They did a ball forward. It came back. Um, poor clearance from town. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, they found Hunter, who was kind of floating all over the place. He found space in the right wing and put an absolute beaut of a cross in for Madden, um, who scored a really nice header. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was just a sucker punch, wasn't it? A really nice, well-working goal. Classic kind of, you know, overload one side of the pitch, create a gap on the other. Um, and a beautiful ball and a great header and yeah it was a nice finish for, for, for Fleetwood he's a good player Mad, and I'll come to him in a minute yeah. little bit in terms of the comparison between him and, and John Lewis our main striking striker but yeah I mean for me the goal was, was a good goal but you know he lost the centre-backs very very easily and also Beckles just didn't do enough to try and shut that that cross down to be honest with you and as I say the defence really struggled in the first half um, and this kind of summed up the, the way that Madden was having all the joy against him wasn't he to be honest with you against, against those two centre-backs and he's not exactly a tall physical bloke Madden but He's he's the sort of player that I think Waterfall and Sadler will probably hate more than anything. Diminutive, quick feet, you know, kind of wraps in and out. And, and I think that's the sort of player that unsettles them the most. He reminds me a bit of Lee from Stanley, doesn't he? He's similar yeah, kind of, you know, not, not huge, but yeah, quite. He's also quite interesting. He was playing almost a bit like a false nine. He was dropping quite deep at times. Um, and Hunter and the other players were kind of overloading the gaps. And they were just running riot in that huge gap between the central midfielders and Waterfall and Sadler, who were dropping really, really deep. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it was a similar kind of goal, um, similar kind of this kind of space is how they scored the second goal. So it didn't take them too long to score again. So another on the 28th minute, they scored again. So um, they had Burns on the right side, links up with Madden, who passes back to Burns, who basically just ran as a kind of diagonal right across the pitch. No one tracked him and he just passed the ball in the back of the net. Too really easy. easy goal. Yeah. It was the kind of goal you'd kind of, you know, see maybe in training in terms of, you know, working man on defence versus attack. It was just... It was poor, wasn't it? It was poor defending and tracking back from Shrewsbury. It was it was the second goal that made me realise that the lads just didn't really look comfortable playing four four two. You know, you can say no. how there was big gaps and they weren't playing very well, but they didn't look like they really wanted to play four four two. I know that's a weird thing to say. Didn't but they looked a bit confused at yeah, what they were doing. Yeah, and no one really seemed to know who their role was, and so they the only reason the Fleetwood Dads were getting this from space is because they weren't being tracked a few times, and there was a lot of you know from what I've been told later on, and, and I know you've got some tweets about it, is that there was a lot of discussion during the whole first half. The players just kind of shouting 
each other, trying to say you should be here, you should be here. And so, yeah. you know, well, we, we should link on. Let's go on. That, so let's go and link on to that. So there's a tweet, wasn't there, from Tyrone Marshall, Marshall on yeah. Twitter? Yeah. So what did he say, Glenn? Well, he said defence and midfielder spent the entire game arguing with each other. Not a plan in sight, clueless. Um, which was pretty pretty robust thing to say. But yeah, I mean, I know Ty pretty well, and he's 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 uh, works in the press for he covers Blackpool, I think. Uh, no, he's on to sorry, he used to cover Blackpool. He now covers. Um, Burnley in the Premiership so you know he knows his football he's seen a lot of games and he's been a town fan all his life and I'm, you know, always see Tyrone at Fleetwood. We always meet up there because it's his patch. And um, yeah, it, you know, to see him saying that, he obviously picks up on 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 the sort of way that teams are interacting with each other. And I think that you know, it wasn't just Ty that I saw talking about that. There was a few of the fans that were there saying we just looked disjointed and and like we didn't know what we were doing. And we focused a lot on those gaps, Ollie. And it was the gap in the between the defence and the midfield that was costing us. And that was because defence have got no pace, didn't want to get out, were scared of getting caught with the pace, which they were doing anyway. Um, Beckles is not exactly great at getting out when when the centre backs stay no, there. And imagine. Natural fullback no. is he that a natural fullback? Would, you know, you kind of the role of the fullback is to cover the central yeah. defender for yeah. pace as well. So yeah, so I don't. The question is, you don't know if it's waterfall or sad to pull him back. But interestingly, Andy Davis, who used to play professional football, he was linking it back. This kind of discussion wasn't he back to the Scunny game where he said that he had Doherty, Norwood, and Grant all shouting at waterfall, yeah, um, and rolling their eyes. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of an issue in terms of the structure and. Yeah, there was such a huge gap. And obviously, um, Lauren and Norburn are used to having that shield between them and Grant who fits in the hole. And yeah, it was just really, really poor organisation. They looked lost. They looked lost, the yeah, two centre midfielders. And, and I was trying to make the point that, you know, that because of that almost step back and, and worrying, it, it completely nullified any attacking we could have even tried, really. And we, we scrapped around and we'll come probably talk about a few half chances that we had, but it was nothing better than that. But, you know, it, it completely nullified the, the attacking intent that we had. The wingers did nothing. I mean, it, Gilead couldn't have been more of a passenger in that first half and he was pretty much a passenger the whole game for me I, I just he's starting to just be one of those players I just can't get on with he's, he just does not you know we used to think that maybe Robman would drift in and out of games but he would produce something do you know what I mean he would bring something to the table it, Gilead's got one assist and one goal this season that's fine but outside of that he really hasn't done all that much and you know the way he started the season was a microcosm of this Fleetwood game. You know, as a as a winger in that position in a four four two, you'd think you'd get more space to do stuff with. But he hardly saw the ball, and when he when he had it, he gave it away. Um, well, he was a bit better on the wing, to be fair. And I thought Faye did all right, considering he'd come in and and he, and he looked a bit of confidence and he put a few good balls in. All, uh, to be fair, and a nice little cross. But John Lewis for me. It's just this was my comparison in the first half, Ollie. They got Madden up front, a proven goal scorer at League One level. He's done it at a few clubs now. You know, they've paid a bit of money. They've gone out there and got him. That's the sort of player that a club like Shrewsbury Town should be targeting. I don't, I don't care what anyone says to me. We're, we're not much smaller than Fleetwood, and we shouldn't have much less cash. But instead, we're ballsing around the season playing the bloody shop up front, who's god awful. Scored like nine League One goals in his entire career, and it's just like that comparison is why we are where we are. We just do not have someone who knows how to score. You know, we've not got a player on loan from a big club like last season that is developing and becoming a good player and might be able to do it. We know what we're going to get with a shop. John Askey knows what he's going to get with the shop. And to have persisted with him in this game was scandalous. And it's part of the reason it cost us the game, to be honest with you. And his first touch let him down a lot. He had one header, which he put over. And that's the thing. Madden had one chance in the first half. Great header, scores. He had a similar chance. No more difficult, you know, slightly different kind of chance. He heads it over. To me, that's the stark difference, really, when you look at what these teams we're playing have got in terms of their attackers. So, yeah, Glyn, I have to agree with you. Um, disappointing that um, the shop was playing then and Holloway yeah. and Angle on the bench. Um, but the thing that also concerned me is not just the team selection. You know, you had Fleetwood playing really well and taking advantage of all this space. Our midfielders were not doing anything. And yeah, there was nothing really for the strikers to work on. But why did it take him 35 minutes 
and um, for us to be 2-0 down to even make any changes. So at this point, he went to a 4-4-3, put Faye on the wing, put um, Warren in central midfield. And again, it's really disappointing that it takes this long to kind of make uh, make tactical changes. It's a bit rabbit in the headlights, isn't he, at the moment? I feel like, you know, the, the pressure under because there's poor league start and it's almost like he's decided to go with 4-4-2 and he persisted with it uh, up until at least 35 minutes. And then... You know, I, could, I was listening to it on the commentary on the iFollow and the Radio Shropshire guys were like, well, give him credit. You know, he's turned it around. He's changed it now. And that's that's slightly helped. I mean, I didn't think we were that good even when we went, you know, that new formation after 35 minutes. But, you know, to me, it's a bit irrelevant. He'd already basically thrown the game away at that point anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't don't think he deserves that much credit really for turn, to, for changing it. He had to change it. You know, it's not like he did that because he's some tactical genius. We were 2 all down away from home with Fleetwood playing really, really poorly. He had to change it, didn't he, Ollie? It doesn't get that much credit for me. No, he did put his hands up at the end, but that doesn't really help. Where he said, "We'll come to his, his post-match." <laughs> yeah, he may, yeah. I think it's worth mentioning here because he admits that he disappointed in himself and he set it up wrong. Um, so I guess he had to come out and say something. He had ignored the point. Um, we would probably been lambasting him even more. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he hadn't changed, it would have lost it four or five nil. To be honest with you, the way yeah. we were playing, and and fine. But you know, it was it was a forced change of tactic. It wasn't you know some sort yeah. of tactical master plan. I'm not having that. No, definitely, completely agree. So it was two 0 going in at half time. And interestingly, a tweet from Ant Thomas who said that you know awful 35, first 35. Waterfall has done nothing bar hoof. Um, and he said, yeah, surely Doherty must come on at half time. Oh, he had to. Um, and positives for Ant were only two behind, <laughs> which kind of links back to what you were just saying then. So, so a lot of interesting tweets going on, obviously people watching and I follow. So, yeah, so what happened to half time, Glenn? You made a few changes. He certainly did, yeah. So he, he took the shop off, which was completely understandable, the way he played and the way he always plays, frankly, for me. And um, took Faye off, which was a bit, a bit harsh. I didn't think he was the worst player in the first half. He did try and um, create a little bit, but, you know... It, it wasn't the game for him, was it really? And um, no, it wasn't. Yeah, put Doherty on and also Holloway, which was a bit strange um, because I would have thought Angle would have come on first. But again, we'll come to what he had to say about Angle at the end of the game because that's some interesting comments. And then he changed it to four three three. So yeah, slightly different formation again. So yeah, we're throwing throwing formations at the wall at the moment, aren't we? We seem to have played four in the last four games. Yeah, no, we have. We've played played lots of different formations, um, and we did improve. Um, Holloway held up the ball quite well, and Doherty got on the ball, didn't he? Yeah. And he enabled other players to get into the game, also Worley um, and Julia um, to really kind of put in. And the players did put a shift in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I don't know whether if it was the fact they were playing towards the fans, kind of maybe giving a bit of encouragement. Um, but we definitely played really well, and the you know we we scored um, after fifty seven minutes um, from the start of the second half up to the goal. We played really really well, and it was a nice goal, kind of a bit scrappy, but kind of we came from a good bit of possession and a bit of pressure. So Wally gets a kind of cross in, cross in, it gets a slight defection. Um, Laurent managed to get a toe on it and kind of pokes into the back of the net, and it was kind of just a was really for kind of how well we'd started the, the second half. Yeah, I mean you couldn't. Say- that goal wasn't coming we actually did pen no. pen them back to be honest with you and yeah and you know deserve to get that goal back at least but um I think that you know Barton changed it again after the goal and it sort of nullified us for the rest of the game a little bit but we'll, we'll talk about it as we move on but yeah but credit to Laurent as well because you know he, he didn't give up on that chance did he it was still a pretty hard chance to kind of get a toe on it and get in there and um thought that was a good reward for for him and, and the, the effort that he put in in the second half to be honest with you but um I'm not too sure about it, it was just because we were shooting towards the fans considering that they basically booed them off at half time <laughs> yeah I'm just trying to think of some positives <laughs> um but yeah I, I'm, I'm just wondering whether how much was it the manager how much was it the players um that kind of decided yeah. to a better second half effort in well um, I, but yeah I was gonna say you, you brought Doherty on 
on, and I think Doherty's such a big, big thing. I, I can't believe he's not starting. He's class, to be fair. And yeah, he is. and also his effort and his drive is quite infectious. And I think as as well as you know the t- change of tactics kind of helped us. I actually think that bringing a player of him on that kind of can get the rest going a little bit is probably just as important. Um, and to me, I like Norwood, and uh, and I like um I like Norburn, and I like Laurent. But I think in terms of the drive and energy. I think Doherty gives you a little bit more, and I am surprised that he's the one that's missing out more often than not. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that um, maybe Lauren and um, and Doherty would be maybe a better central pairing. Mm. Uh, maybe you just thought Ola Norburn is more of a kind of all-round midfielder who'd do better in that four-four-two. But as you said, as alluded to, Glenn, uh, Fleetwood made a tactical change. They made a couple of sub, made a sub and kind of changed it. And yeah, our kind of energy kind of just kind of ebbed away from oh, us. It did. And we didn't really threaten too much again until Sadda had that fantastic chance um, near the end of the game. That was a great save. Would have been yeah. interesting, yeah, if we'd got that goal. But I don't know. This sounds sound a bit hard, a bit weird coming from a Shooter Town fan. I think that would have been a bit harsh on Fleetwood. Yeah, I mean. It's it's a couple of times we've got like late equaliser stuff and it's it's either papered over the cracks or made a result seem a little bit better than it was. I mean, it's it's not unfair to say in the first half it was about as poor a forty five minutes as we put in all season, and that's considering how badly we've started this year. They did slightly better in the second half, but I think I put on Twitter something like this. I'm not going to have someone tell me that the town played well in the second half. It was better. But, you know, the levels that we were improving from were so dire that it had to be better. And it was still... Reminds me of Gillingham. Yeah, yeah, it was. Where we were dire, dire in the first half. Better second half and kind of papering over the cracks again. It was still bang average. Yeah, oh, it was a, it was a very, very poor performance um, overall. The net effect was, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of one real highlight, really, rest of the game was um, um, our favourite central defender, um, Waterfall, got absolutely done um, and just pulled back a Fleetwood player for a yellow card and just... Yeah, this guy's struggling, isn't he? Mm, he, he <laughs> struggling, yeah. It was. I called it a waterfall classic. That he just gets done very yeah. quickly, and his hands just come up as an immediate reaction, and he pulls back, and he just, you know, he was all, he's got a booking basically again, didn't he? But yeah, I mean, that's all he's got on the locker. I mean, it was interesting because people were saying, well, we made we made he, um, Fleetwood made a change that changed the game again in their in, in their way, but we were crying out for a sort of second substitution from Askey, a sort of another sub to sort of change it again, and it was probably crying out for Angle and maybe throwing another man up front. I don't quite know what tactic you would end up playing there, but probably three at the back with Beckles, Waterfall yeah. and Sadler, I would imagine, would probably have worked quite well. Yeah, maybe a wing with maybe just Julius and Wally as fake wing backs. Exactly. You know, just pushing on. Yeah, just to try and get that winner. But he didn't do it. He didn't go attacking. And we had Angle on the bench, who's proven to be probably the most effective striker we've got in terms of goal scoring. Didn't bring him on. And, it, and a lot of town fans were mystified well, he about did it. bring him oh, on. Sorry, did bring him on. Sorry, didn't bring him on as early as fans wanted. And they brought him on the 89th minute. But he hadn't even been warming up the entire half. Which which was no. baffling. Yeah, BBC Shropshire were quite alarmed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Angle was because they wanted him to come on. They were willing him on, and then he came on all of a sudden. So there doesn't seem to be any kind of foresight or planning in terms of making the subs. Um, so yeah, so so Glenn, so yeah, so you so. Who would you? Who would you? What was the kind of the fault of this game? And so, what would you kind of? What's your kind of summary? Oh, I mean, the fault of this game. You know, we've been critical about some of the players. We've been critical about Askey at certain times. To me, I don't look at this result as being anything other than John Askey tactically lost us the game and he played the four four two to have gone two 0 down so quickly, leaving us a mountain to climb because of his mistake. You can't 
pin the blame on anyone for this result other than John Askey. Now, considering the situation he was already in, you know, with pressure building, to have done that and it be so obviously his fault is pretty criminal for him, isn't it? Yeah, no, <laughs> it was very, very poor and very, very poor. And yeah, friend of the pod. Um, and again, he had some good tweets um, on Saturday. Yeah. And he said it was the worst performance. He's definitely the worst performance he's seen all, all season. He had no idea where the formation came from, especially his fleet would look vulnerable on the wings. Um, so yeah, um, not a good, not a good day for Shrewsbury Town. No, it wasn't, and it was a decent, it was a decent day for Fleetwood. Uh, again, I thought you know Joey Barton's showing that he's got a bit about him as a manager, and I suppose that's the sort of you know sometimes those combative sort of type players that do quite well, isn't it? So um, they, they were pretty good. I was quite impressed with them. What what was your overall view of Fleetwood, Ollie, um, and who stood out for you? Um, yeah, I thought they were quite a, an interesting team. They weren't, you know, they didn't blow me away, um, but going forward, they're quite interesting, aren't they? Yeah. For me, Hunter, Madden, and Burns um, really kind of stood out as quite good. Like technical players was a bit of a stretch for League One, but you know what I mean. They were tidy, weren't they? They're good movement, and they clearly they as a team they can follow tactical instructions, um, which bode which bode well for them really well in this game, which enabled um, Joe Barton to kind of close the game out. So I think they're an interesting team. I, I don't know, probably mid table, maybe uh, if they get a sign or something, maybe they can have a run for the playoffs. But for me, they're a, a, a solid mid table team. Would you agree? Yeah, and with a player like Madden, and they've also got Chad Evans on the books, we should remember that yeah. Fleetwood were missing two of their best players. That's an even yep. slightly more concerning thing. They were missing Chad Evans, and they were missing someone else who plays in midfield. Um, so we weren't even playing their best team, and Chad Evans has always been all right against us. Um, so, But if you've got strikers like Chad Evans and Paddy Madden, who are proven goal scorers at this level or higher, you'll do all right. You know, you'd have to have a shambolic defence to, to fall foul of falling out of the league with two players like that. You know, either of them would walk into our starting lineup. You know, Chad Evans probably wouldn't want to because of the connotations of what's gone on with him, I suppose. But, um, yeah, God almighty. My mum, it's funny, I watched it on iFollow and I invited my parents and my brother over to watch the game as well. And my mum has always been banging on about Paddy Madden. She's always recognised him as a good player and she's like, this summer we were talking about it, she was saying, we should try and go and get Paddy Madden because it was in the paper, wasn't it, that we might be looking at him. And you just think, you know, why can we not go out and get someone like that? There's been loads of those types of players. And by the time we always get them, like we eventually got Jamie Curran, who was always a prolific goal scorer. But by the time we got him, he was like a busted flush and he couldn't score. And then he went on to score elsewhere. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, it is weird with shooting strikers. We just never ever can find a prolific one. No, we only seem to have had a few. I mean, Carl Griffiths um, and Rogers come to mind and Holt, yeah. But um, yeah, we don't seem to do that well with strikers. No, unfortunately. Um, no. So quickly, let's fire through top three. Yeah. Who'd you go for, Glenn? Uh, I went for Coleman. He was clearly our best player. Without him, we'd have lost more heavily. Uh, made some good saves couple of shoddy kicks but it was slightly better than the other week where he was really bad um so yeah Coleman man of the match I I found it really difficult after that I don't think I really don't think anyone stood out after Coleman I thought everyone was bang average at best um so I went for Emmanuel um as a young lad learning his game he did about as well as he could have done at right back he tried to get forward as much as possible but of the defenders probably was the, the least slack for me um and I went for Laurent uh third who, who put a shift in as you say and scored a pretty good goal yeah, so I went for um, for Coleman first, obviously stand out. Yep. Um, Lauren, um, I thought he had a decent shift in central field. I went for Worley third because I think he just put a good defensive effort in. You know, he didn't drop his head. He kept fighting yep. throughout the game. Yep. And obviously he helped. Um, he was, you know, he also did the free kick um, for Sadler and um, for head, Sadler's header. So his free kicks and set pieces were a bit better today as well. So, so yeah, I think that was my top three. Um, so, yeah, that was the result. And um, online... <laughs> <laughs> the world started to erupt and I took I left I left it a little while to kind of do my three word match report I thought I'd give people fans at the game to kind of yeah get away from the ground and um, I thought I'd allow people online to kind of calm down a little bit but I um, did the three word match report and I have to say it was 
overwhelmingly negative. Yeah. Um, so these these are some of the highlights. So I got Dave Mateus was clearly tactically inept. Yep. John Dunn with insipid, disjointed, and lackluster. Matthew Jones with tas- taxi for ASCII. Um, Oakley Tumbleton with get ASCII out. Malcolm Fletcher with say gonna stay away. Steve Grander saying dead man walking. And friend of the pod Mike Davis said fans have turned, which I thought was his one he did this morning, but I think was a, obviously on reflection of what he'd seen. Yeah. Kind of summed up agree. the three word match reports. I would agree with that. It's interesting. I did. Um... I think three weeks ago I did a, a John Askey poll, you know, simply asking my Twitter followers, of, of, of which there are quite a few, um, and we had about 300 votes. And at that point it was 60% Askey in and it was um, 40% Askey out. So I did the same vote last night and it's now been running a day and it's up to about 270 votes. And it has changed. It's now 59%, so almost 60 Askey out and 41% ASCII in. So there's almost been a switch around of the numbers. And I think Mike's completely right to point out there's definitely been a turning point with the fans. I've, uh, that's the most angry reaction I've seen online. And there wasn't very many people who could defend it. And basically, that performance was, was undefendable. And John ASCII, in his post-match comments, which we'll come on to next, hasn't helped his situation. By admitting fault, he's made it easy for everyone. Well, he had yeah, to, though. He had to. Yeah, he had to come. And yeah, so he, he started with saying he was disappointed in himself. And then the formation was wrong. Yes. But then he was very quick to then start um, chip at the players, saying, you know, you can't, you can't excuse the lack of effort in the first 30 minutes, um, which I thought was a bit odd. But his comments about um, the formation, for me, were bizarre. Yeah, he's so he said, because of the wind and rain, you can't play pretty football. So the idea was to get the ball forward. We didn't do I've that. Only ever played, <laughs> I, well, we didn't do that. But I don't know. I've only ever played like Sunday League football and you know, football at uni and stuff. But surely when it's windy, you don't try and hack it forward because it's just going to fly all over the place. Yeah, you should try and keep it on the deck. You might not necessarily play football. Which Fleetwood but... did. Yeah, well, they didn't They didn't resort to... I mean, you'd think Fleetwood would be used to playing in the wind and rain considering where their ground is and the weather they get. But they've obviously found a better way of playing in those conditions than we have. And it, it's interesting, you've written on the agenda here, you know, do, do you, as a manager, do you make this decision in the morning? So do you think he was going to come with a, you know, our pretty football, which I'm not entirely sure I believe we would play that much pretty football at the moment, um, and then saw what the weather was going to be like and completely ripped his ripped his notes up and went for a 4-4-2 because he thought it was more structured. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems the performance and the shape and the gaps and the spaces because obviously if you know if you're if you're working on your um, formation in the week you hear don't you 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 hear that people talk about gaps and spaces and how far you are away from your man in terms of like your positional strength yeah and um but you know it didn't look like we've been working on it this week and if we had no way we didn't spend very much time on it no <laughs> i think it seems like it was definitely a, a last minute decision yeah and as i said it, it was the decision that cost us the game as much as he comes on and he said we're unlucky not to get a draw in the end yeah fine but you know in a perfect world you know with the players we've got if you play a reasonable tactic we should have been going there looking to win and he's essentially threw away the chance of that yeah he did he obviously scored an own goal with the formation obviously then two nailed down as we said he didn't make changes and he was yeah it was quite poor from a tactical point of view and then he said we were lucky in the end not to get a draw which is kind of true but it's not really a reflection of the whole game and he then mentioned he had to kind of ball and shout at half time it's the second time he's done that and he said the players should be able to get up for themselves did, did you notice they were like, like quite late out when when the when sort of Fleetwood came out a couple of minutes before we did and I thought at that point in time there's probably still a massive bollocking going on yeah yeah they were they were out before us when they were waiting for us to kind of come out um, which is interesting um, and then he then there's a like there was a nine minute interview I watched and there wasn't really a much in it there was a lot of kind of waffle um, we'll come on to a great tweet from a guy called Martin and um, led Bruchereau in a minute um, but he said the angle was dropped for um, performances which I thought was a bit strange because he's been in and out of the team a little bit obviously family reasons and stuff but I don't know he's 
you kind of if you want to try and get form often teams will kind of play their best men and kind of let them kind of get into form. But he said he's dropped because of performances. And the most stupid thing about all this is that he's been playing all right, I think, you know, not exceptionally well, but decent enough, when he's been shunted out of his normal position as one of the wide sort of attacking players, hasn't he? Which is not his game. He looks like he's a player that can play as part of a two up front or or one up front. And he hasn't really played there too much. And then you play 4-4-2... And he doesn't get his game. You know, that would have no. been the perfect tactic for him. So it's it's baffling. And for him to have been dropped for performances, you know, and say that in the press conference, you know, as much as, you know, Aski can, can complain about the effort levels that players are putting in, is, is he really that surprised that they're not putting that much effort in when he's now at least savaged them at least three times this season? And he's savaging players like Angola, who are trying to make their way in the Football League, who are, you know, doing as reasonable job considering their age and, and what's going on I mean their confidence must be rubbish they just you know what's Angle going to think about that this week it is odd and yeah you, as you say Glenn he's been playing on the left wing he played one game up front yeah. um, against Stanley and he, did he miss any chances against Stanley no we didn't correct, we no, no he didn't have any, didn't so, have any. You, so so what performances for me it felt like he was like making this up just kind of had to fill fill some kind of gaps and he didn't really know what to say and he said you know we've been doing well in this run of form what, beating ten man Stanley and beating Tranmere, um, a reserves Tranmere team in the Checker trade. Come on, John, you're not kidding anyone. Yeah, he needs to look at the bloody league table, mate. Yeah, he he does. So he said, and then he also said it's a tough place to come. It's Fleetwood's second win at home in the league. What's this guy going on about? But there was a tweet. Maybe he was watching us in the last few years when we couldn't win there until last year. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Good. But he didn't used to remember. Remember, he said he never used to watch League One football, so he can't have been watching that. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, there's a great tweet um, put out by a guy called Martin, the Ledbury Shrew, and he said, "Just watched it." In referring to the um, John Nasky's post match, just watched it, and it's nine minutes of inc- incoherent, disjointed claptrap and drivel given by a man whose body language clearly shows he's not at the races. Absolutely no passion, no enthusiasm, no inspiration, and looking more with each passing game like a man with no idea. It's a fair point, to be fair, that. And I say, I can't listen to his post-match interviews anymore, Ollie, and I should, because I've run a podcast on Shrewsbury Town, but I'm relying on you to do it. You're taking all the heavy listening after to listen to him there for nine minutes. He's so dull. And, like, you know, that's not a massively bad character trait if you've got a job where, you know, you don't have to be facing the public at, at any point, but he does. And it basically seems to me like it just... That, that, that one bit in there where he's put no enthusiasm, no inspiration is really interesting because... I was going to talk about it in the Where is Asky section now, which we'll do in a minute, but I'm just going to bring this up now because it kind of tops this game off, I think. Because at the end of the game on iFollow, the camera focused on Joey Barton, shaking his hands, putting his arm around a player. Then he went over and shook John Asky's hand. And then it focused on watch John Asky walk away. And it just looked to me like a befuddled old man who didn't really know what was going on. He sort of took four steps forward towards the shooting fan. So he basically was on the halfway line. And like lifted his hands above his head and clapped like six times, maybe maybe not even that many times. The boat half asked as you could, you know, he didn't go over there and give the fans a sort of yeah, it's fine, chill, or you know, the sort of thing when things are not going too well. He's not trying to build that bond. He doesn't go ever anywhere near the Shrewsbury fans. He stays about as far away as possible. And so the fans have travelled all that way in that rain. They didn't really get a bit of respect off the manager, you know, the, the most courtesy you possibly can. I know it doesn't bother every fan this, but it was just noticeable. And then Gilead was standing there. He sort of just nodded at Gilead, and Gilead just ignored him. And it just the whole thing seemed very like dysfunctional. I think that's probably the best way to say it. It just looked like he was either really angry, and that was portrayed in his body language, or it's just there's something just not right about the whole thing. It's awkward, wasn't it? Awkward. Yeah, that's a really good word, Ollie. Yeah, it was very awkward, and yeah, it doesn't show a lot of. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't show any kind of connection between the manager and the players. He's clearly uh, really quite... pissed off with the players, Ollie. Cle- clearly, yeah. really pissed off with them. And to me, 
you then come to that conversation about dressing rooms and all that sort of thing. But I think we'll leave this and talk about ASCII next because there's a lot we can talk about, isn't there? But to me, that was just the best way to end it in that, you know, you could see what he was like at the end of the game. And for me as a fan, it didn't, didn't sit well with me and didn't provide me with that leadership and, and sort of enthusiasm I want to see from my manager. It's going to try and get us out of the, the hole we're digging ourselves into. Yep, no, totally agree. Super. Well, we'll leave it there and we'll move on to a, a little conversation about where John ASCII is, Ollie, because we've got a, you've got a lot to say, haven't you? And Morgan on the ball, on the right hand side, good looking one towards Collins, and Collins has scored! Arsenal nil, should be turned one, and it's James Collins for the League 2 underdogs! It's unbelievable! So, special section, Ali. Where is John Askey? And uh, we thought it was worth talking about this this week because we talked about it briefly in the section before about how there has been a, a change in the reaction of Shrewsbury Town fans I think that's fair to say Ollie um certainly a bit more um you know ASCII out if you want to say that thing and then we'll come to whether that's a legitimate call or not at the moment but um yeah there's been a lot of negativity towards the manager and and things off the back of this weekend and and yeah we both wanted to take a breather and take stock didn't we about where we are with the manager really so yeah I'll, I'll throw it to you Ollie Let's, you can start if you want on this but where where are you at the moment what's your what are your issues and your problems and, and positives that you've got to sort of base this judgment on? Yeah, so if we kind of review where we where we kind of are with ASCII. The performances at the start of the season were positive, but the results are lacking. Then we start to get a few a few results, but then I'm starting to feel now that we're we're kind of stalling, and I'd say we're actually going backwards now. So in terms of recent games, obviously we had the terrible first half against Gillingham. We scored two goals, and then we had terrible, terrible defending yeah. and lost the lead, which does kind of make you think a little bit about their mental fragility and kind of how well they're being led. Um, you went to Walsall away, Glenn, and that was a surprise. We had Angle on the left wing again, second yep. time he'd played there, um, and Wally in the middle. Um, and Walsall wasn't a great performance, was it? It wasn't, no. And as I say, looking back on that game now, I think we, we didn't get anything out of it because they just missed a lot of chances, really. And we battled, yeah. we battled hard. You couldn't really blame the commitment in that one. And like, obviously, the game on, on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, it was more about them spurning chances than us, you know, trying to win a game. Yeah, definitely. And then we played Stanley, who absolutely battered us for 15 minutes. Um, and if we and we both agreed last week that if we, they'd had 11 men throughout the whole game, they definitely would have won. Yep, so we so. were lucky to beat them there. Then obviously, we had the Checker Trade game, which is irrelevant. In, in context of the league and, yep. and then we had yesterday which was another shambolic um, <laughs> half um, not even rescued but I think it would have been a unfair and Fleetwood and I think they were fully deserved the win um, for their performance um, for Joey Barton's tactical um, and, and management of the game you know they deserve to win that game yeah we just covered that yeah I think that's fair yeah so so for me we've got quite a few issues um, with this team and management at the moment for me we feel we seem to be mentally fragile and the players mm. don't seem to be convinced what we're doing um, and that's obviously clear in terms of the players' arguments themselves, um, and also in terms of yeah, you know, our shape. Um, Waterfall is just a poor signing, um, and John Askey keeps playing him. Um, defensive recruitment for me has been really poor. Um, we've got a left back who isn't really a left back; he's a wing back, um, which means Beckles is playing left back. And while he does a good job and he's a solid player, he's he's clearly a central defender. And for me, we've kind of signed. We've kind of you know we're a bit lopsided and because we've got a lot of central midfielders, yep. which obviously then creates pressure in terms of our performance. But just back to Askey, so Paulie Shrew, who played professional football, calls um, Waterfall a pub player, <laughs> um, which is a, a poor indictment of a player who's supposed to be you know who's supposed to be our leader at the back. Exactly. Uh, and we signed him on a three-year deal. So Mark Lynch, thank very much. Kind of I was kind of drowning in my sorrows on Saturday, and then he even pointed out that he's on a three-year deal, which is um, far from <laughs> so, ideal. So John Askey, pay. He is on a three-year deal, actually, which probably made me just point on this now. I'm sure O'Brien didn't 
give him three years compensation if he was to leave. I'm sure Who he's knows? on twelve. Who, Who knows? knows? But I'm sure I'm sure he's not on three years compensation. I, I don't want to just sidetrack you from this, Ollie, but there's there's an option out there at the moment, isn't there? Very similar with Mickey and Tranmere when he left. There's a Macclesfield option that, <laughs> is, a Macclesfield that is available. Option. They, they got four points in the league. Um so yes, they're not doing very well, are they? No, Lower Ipswich as well. They haven't won for thirty four games, Macclesfield now. No, that's that's <laughs> pretty pretty poor. Um, so yeah, on on tactics, there seems to be no clear tactical plan. Four four two seems to work, and I quite like that formation. I think it works well with the players we've got. But then we're now we're making odd changes. So like Angle coming on the 90th minute, which is not the what's well, not the only time we've made a striker substitution in with like only extra time to go. Yeah, which is pointless. What sorts of player going to do in that kind of time? You're basically looking for that freak one chance. He's not going to influence the game. He makes substitutions really late. Um, and there's been games when we, you know, there's been games when we could have gone more attacking. So we've we mentioned Bristol Rovers a few times when we we're at home. That game was was you know, calling out for a bit more of a tank attacking um, kind of impetus, and we I think we would have knocked them over and won. Yep. And then obviously the four four two against Fleet was just bizarre against bizarre. And I've tried to find. I've, unfortunately, I've been successful in my kind of search to find Fleetwood fans to kind of ask them how they play. But John Askey does actually mention in his um, his post match that they play four four two or four three three. But given their style of play playing four four two was just a bizarre choice. Yeah, really bizarre, which is very concerning. No, oh, we just don't we don't have a, a settled formation anymore, do we? We're chopping and changing as the weeks go on now, and I think you know you're right to say that, Ollie. That we've got to what is mid October now, and for me, you know, I'm adding to this narrative is that for me, John Askey does not know what his best team is, and he does not know what his best formation is, and he's moving players around really quickly without having the chance to kind of you know convince themselves, convince themselves, or get into a, a bit of form. Which weak, is weak management. That yeah. is. As soon as any pressure's on from one of the players to get in the team. He seems to just change it around quite quickly, doesn't he? And he, you know, I don't think anyone's really standing out and playing poorly well, enough to he's, get he's, dropped. He's dropping angle, but what about what about for waterfall? Has he not been having poor performances? Does exactly. not he just should not he be just dropped and play play be played Beckles and Sadler there? Um, which is obviously just goes back to the defensive recruitment. You know, we don't have a pacey central defender, and Kennedy doesn't seem to have any faith in him. Obviously, he's a, a you know, he's only really played at conference level, so he's clearly not um, good enough. Otherwise, he would have played mad. Which comes on to, for me, again, another point. The players don't seem fit, Glenn. Well, yeah, they're not as fit as last year, that's for sure. I would agree with that, Ollie. Well, Holloway's a good example. It's funny, Dom Kirby's a friend of mine on Twitter, and, he, and, he, and when Holloway came on at the end of the game, I think we sort of got you know into the second half, and he was like, well, at least we know Holloway can do 30 minutes now. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is poor. So it doesn't seem to be... Um, a lot of you know I'm not sure what they're doing on the training ground we've heard a few rumours flying around which we won't yeah, pres- pres- won't repeat but um, but yeah players don't look fit um, and then for me there doesn't seem to be any analysis of opposition if there is there doesn't seem to be kind of impact in our performances um, because it seems to take us half and half again to kind of suss them out it's happened in too many occasions now where we've set up wrong um, and it hasn't worked we've had to make changes yeah, I mean, Saturday was a good example of that, wasn't it? There's no way we should have gone to Fleetwood and been playing four four two if anyone had no. known anything about them. No, definitely not. And I just don't see us changing. For me, we're going backwards, and I've lost faith in the manager. Mm. Um, and I think the club should sack John Askey. Now. For me, I think yeah. For me, um, for me, I kind of I agree with the fans that think that John Askey should be sacked. And for me, for me, yeah, it's um, John Askey out. You're in the sixty percent, Ollie. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm not. You know, I can't say that I'm surprised to hear you say that. You know, I do a podcast with every week, and we talk offline, and I know how frustrated you are, like most most of the fans in that sixty percent. And um, I think it's a completely fair thing for any Shrewsbury Town fan to say John Askey should go now. I think that you know we've got struggles here, and if if it continues. Like this, 
you know, how how is that narrative going to change? We're stuck in a rut, basically, aren't we, of this continual one good result every now and again and then a bunch of rubbish ones which are draws or losses that will just keep us down the bottom of the league all year. And and I guess that, for me, it depends on the, the expectation. So where are you, Glenn, on this? Well, I'll, I'll come to my point in a minute. I think, for me, just talking about how people get to making that decision about ASCII, it's almost like it depends on your narrative of, of where you think we'll end up this season, doesn't it? If you went into this season thinking we're going to come top 10 or challenge again or have another good season, I guess you, you find it easier to get to that point of saying, God, he's not been very good for us, has he? We're never going to achieve that. Whereas if you were looking at this season thinking, I'll oh, rebuild job, it's going to be poor, I'll be happy if we stay up. I can understand why you're still willing to give the manager more time. For me, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say sack him today, right now. I think for me, I, I gave you my analogy the other day where I said that I think... As soon as we lost on against Fleetwood, it was almost like we've we've hung the hangman's noose up for him. Do you know what I mean? And he's he's basically putting his head in it. And all it's going to take is Sunderland and Barnsley to kick the chair out from under him, and he'll have to go. And and I guess you could turn around to me and say, well, if you're saying that now, why wouldn't you just say Askey out now? Fair enough. I think that that would be a fair point to say, Ollie, if you were going to say that. I just think that because Sunderland are uh, they're going to smash Sunderland. They're going to smash and us. Barnsley and the D three D four podcasters have come out and said that they think they're going to win the league. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to get anything against um, against um, those two sides. No. So for, so for me, I've got you know, and I said on the podcast the week before last, didn't I? I think when we did it, and I can't really change my view from that. Was that we were coming into this run of five games now, where we had Fleetwood. I think it was last week, actually. Fleetwood, the two big games, and then we had Oxford and AFC Wimbledon. I was saying this five games will define it, and I think that's it. That's basically, it's as far as those five games. If, if we've not done enough by the end of those five games, I would probably say he's got to go then. I'll rev- revise that, Ollie. I think if he doesn't get a good result for me against Sunderland or Barnsley, which is incredibly difficult, it's almost like looking for snookers. If, we, if one of those is a hammering or we get zero points in those two games, even if we got one point from both of them, it's still not, you know, it'd have to be about the performance a little bit as well, but at the end of the day, for me, it's it's on these next two games now, and he'd have to do something incredible to get out of me being able to say this time next week, Askey's got to go because I think if so, we if we lost three or four nil on Saturday, I think I would be in the same place as you, mate. And I'm pretty much ninety eight percent of the way there, in all honesty. And I can't disagree with anything you said. So you want to see a, a good performance as a minimum and so and, and some kind of result? Yeah, it's got it's got a well a, a result and a, and a half decent performance would be enough to to keep us going to Barnsley. If you ask me now, what will happen? I, I don't think that'll happen. You know, I, I agree with you. I think we're in a rut, and we've the, the the seed is sort of sown now in terms of what we're doing. I can't, you know, I can't see how he manufactures any kind of result out against playing Sunderland. And um, you know, they're not bloody Brazil. Let's be honest with you. And these sort of results happen. But uh, if I was to say what kind of vibe I get about Sunderland coming here on Saturday, I get the vibe when Wigan came to us when we were under Mickey Mellon the season before he got sacked and beat us 5-1 at home. They were sort of the big club that had come down from the Premiership and they absolutely took us apart. And, and unfortunately, this game coming up feels a little bit like that. Uh, yeah, I can see wait, I can see your analogy there. The fans are getting... There was a, as Mike said in his um, three-word match report, the fans have turned. And it'd be really interesting to see how the... If we have a really poor performance on Saturday um, against Sunderland, how the fans react because we're getting quite fed up now and... Yeah, he's um, John Askey's performance at the end of the game, which you know could be some people would view it as a minor point. Yeah, um, but his, his rambling in his post-match interview, the lack of connection with the players, the lack of connection with the fans, you know, there's no. There's no empathy, you know. You know, we, obviously, you know, we, we don't wish ill on the guy, but we just don't think he's. The, I don't think he's the right man to take us forward, and I think we'll be better off making the, the change now. Yeah, um, there are decent managers out there. Let's get a change now. I think we've got a good team. We definitely need um, some defensive reinforcement. 
reinforcements in January. Um, but I think we, you know, we've got a, a good enough team to be much better position where we are, playing much better football. And for me, the fact that we're going backwards... Um, for me, is the reason why I think you should leave. Yeah, I mean, we spent six hundred grand in the summer, which is one of the biggest outlays we've had for a very, very long time, if not ever. You know, we've given it to this guy, and he's, he's manufactured so far seventeenth position in a in a in a league that hasn't looked all that good this season, in all honesty. And you know, would you trust him? With and more... we play teams in the bottom half yeah. of the table most of the. And would, would you trust him with all that much more money? Would you trust him with the next set of recruitment? You know, you'd, you'd like to think that we'd probably end up with, a you know, not players of Loft and Kennedy's quality again. But, you know, we're, we're a club that should be attracting half-decent players. I still maintain that. Um, my, my last summary of it is, and, and this is this is my overall problem with him, and, and it's twofold, really. One was, you know, a lot of people slaughtered me right at the start of the season for talking about his demeanour and how he came across in his first press interviews. We, we discussed that a lot, didn't we? And also how he came across that Q&A, where I asked him a question face-to-face to say... You know, there's a lot of fans that will look at you as a, a lifelong manager of Macclesfield with a massive, you know, massive connection to that club. But you're here now. This is your club. What do you say to the fans to, to get us engaged in what you're going to be doing? And his answer was so asinine and boring and pointless in some respects that I left that thing not convinced even then that he was ever going to. You know, I couldn't say what he was going to be as a football manager, but I never thought fans would take to him all that well unless he was on on a good run and, and that would build it there. And the problem is that's now manufactured itself in that we didn't go on a good run. We were gone on a bad run. And because there was always that lack of connection with him in some respects for a lot of fans, it's going to make things a lot worse, which is why I think that Shrewsbury fans have turned a lot quicker on this manager than we would have traditionally done. Do you think that's a fair comment? Yeah, no, I think so. I think that it's, it's the whole package, isn't it? It's yeah. the, you know, it's, and again, it's been really hard to kind of understand where we are. And that's why I'm saying the manager should move because I think we've got good players, but there's something just mentally, they're not inspired. They're not, it's not, clear what you know his instructions are not clear the whole leadership team the management team the staff don't seem to be getting the best out of the play the only person who seems to be doing a good job is the goalkeeping coach because the goalkeeper's doing great so fair play to the goalkeeping K- coach he's doing, yeah k- goal, yeah goalkeeper's doing yeah his kicking was better actually on Saturday so yes um, he's, he's, that's a football our manager. he's a football manager Ollie but is he a leader? A leader of men? Is he a leader of But a football a manager needs to be a leader of men. Exactly, exactly. And I think you can get away. I, I think you can get away without being some of the things that you need to be as a League One manager when you're managing in the conference at a club like Macclesfield. Expectations here are higher of our managers. You know, I don't like him skipping out on pre-match conferences, press conferences, just because he doesn't like doing them. I want to hear what he's got to say, especially at the moment when we're not doing very well. What's and his being plan? scored by a newbie manager? Exactly. Joey yeah. Barton has been a football manager for what was what was that our thirteenth game of the season? Yep. Something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was our thirteenth game of the season. Joey Barton. Yeah, he, he scored him. He out-tacticed him. He just he played with him all game. If it was a game of chess, Joey Barton had checkmate. And thanks very much for three points. Oh, it's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and you know, let's not talk on behalf of all Shrewsbury Town fans, Ollie. You know, you no. gave your view there. I gave my view. We've reacted on the 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 way that Shrewsbury fans seem to have reacted online, which is not how everybody's reacted, obviously. And there's still been some people that put some positive things, like you've got to give them a chance. But it's weaning away week by week. You can't say it isn't. You know, it is a snapshot of our fan base looking online. Um, you know, and also we talk to fans off offline who are not, are not on. You know, people we've known through the podcast and stuff. And the general vibe we've had back from them this weekend has been one of Askey should go. I know that. Um, Sean Evans was on the podcast the other week, would said Askey should go. Um, I think Sam Morris was on the podcast last year. He said Askey should go. Um, I'm trying to think of some other people I saw at the weekend who'd been on, and, and, and some of them had fallen into the Askey camp now. Some, not everybody had. So, you know, we're not just giving a reflection. We are trying to and give a And these are the guys reflection. that are normally, yeah, normally quite conservative yeah, in terms of making decisions about uh, their fans, so about the, the manager in the club. So, yes, um, not in a good place at the moment. And uh, it'd be interesting to see over the, few, over the next week if anything happens this week, anything the next few weeks, or is 
is it going to be all the way till Christmas when a decision is made? So I guess the the, um, the decision, obviously, is over to the club and I, be interested to see what they do. It will be interesting how they address it this week or whether they say anything because there's clearly been some additional pressure. I doubt they will. I think someone said Brian might be away on holiday at the moment, so I suspect he's going to come back to a fairly unhappy camp. But um, it, it is interesting and it'll be interesting to see what the press have got to say this week. It'll be interesting if John Askey does any interviews. Um, and yeah, and, and to me, I, I did mention it before, but the Macclesfield option, you know, the fact that that's his club, they love him there. You know, I spoke to a couple of Macclesfield fans on Twitter that were like, God, we'd love to have him back. You know, there's an option there, an easy option for him to get out of this sticky situation he's got in there. And I think it's going to depend on what he wants out of it. Does he want to stick here and fight a battle? You know, he which can't is be enjoying himself, can he? It's a difficult situation to come back from, isn't it? Regardless of what happens. Does he really want to do that? I suppose for his, his own professional pride, he's a League One manager, he's going to want to stick at it. But, you know, there is a, there is an option to go back there and, you know, even an easy option at Maxfield. They've not won for so long now. To walk back in there and, and get him a couple of wins, he'll just go back to being a hero straight away. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Maxfield develops and whether they name a manager anytime soon. Because if they can wait a couple of weeks, they could well just get Aski back. Yeah, it's an option, an option. So, let's look ahead mm. to Sunderland. So let's just do it at the end of the section, Glenn. What do you, what, what, what you, you're winning, so you're kind of getting all the plaudits at the moment in terms whoop, whoop. of the prediction league. Um, so what are you going to go for? Yeah, you say that. Let's just beef it up a little bit more, Ollie. I got us to lose 2-1 at, 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 at Fleetwood last week, so I got another and I went point. for a draw. Yeah, foolish. So I'm six points ahead now, pulling away. Um, but Sunderland at home, we're going to lose 4-1. 4-1, <laughs> interestingly. So you're going 4-1, I was, I'm going 3-0. Yeah, I was close to that as well. Yeah, I mean, to get a point out of that would be pretty miraculous the way things are going, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's um, it'd be a surprise if we get anything from this game, even a draw. So yeah, I think uh, I think the bookies will have a um, yeah, I'm sure Sunderland will be heavily um, heavily put for this one. I imagine we'll have quite long odds. Yeah, and they've had the international break to rest up as as well, hasn't they? So that you know they were having a couple of dodgy results here and there. We should say you know they'd been to a couple of teams and drawn two two. I think Fleetwood was one of them. Um, but, you know, they had the whole international week to focus entirely on our game because um, they didn't play, did they? Their game was off this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So so they've, they're focused on our game. They'll have, you know, they'll have watched us on Saturday, you know, <laughs> which will probably help them a lot. And um, the one thing you can say about us is that they won't have any idea what kind of tactic we're going to play. <laughs> No, that is a positive. <laughs> that's, a, that's a silver lining there. No You're always looking for the positive. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't look good, mate. No, so one just final thing. Um, so yeah, um, one final thing. Um, we've been asked. Um, so Jonathan Minter asked me to do a plug um, for the East Midlands Shrewsbury group on Facebook. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so he's wanted to say, can you make a make a mention to the masses, those who live that way, and um, they share lifts and um, yeah, obviously to pick up and kind of congregate in a specific location. So yep, send that out for him. So yeah, um, have a look on Facebook if you live in the area. Um, East Midlands Shrews. It's cool. that's that's the name of the group. That's great. I remember when the London Shrews were uh, still a, they're still a thing. The London Shrews, and then we'll see some of the members that live down there at games like Charlton and stuff. But yeah, it used to be a bit bigger. But yeah, it's it's good. Well, well done to these Midlands Shrews. It's uh, it's a shame you're not driving over to see some slightly better football. But keep at it, guys. And we should just talk about actually one thing I think the highlight of the weekend for me I don't know if you saw it was um, on the way back from Fleetwood obviously there was Storm Callum this weekend wasn't there and the weather was atrocious around here I don't know what it was like where you live Ollie but um, on the way back one of the Shrewsbury coaches was coming down must have been coming down the A49 I think and a tree had come down in all the wind and rain 
and there's a there's a video online. I've, I've retreated it on the Blue and Amber account of them all standing out front of the bus. Someone's recording it. There's a tree across the road. They're like literally the first car, you know, or bus sort of in front of the tree, and they're all singing the Matt Sadler song just in the rain. And I thought, fair play, you have got to admire our fan spirits. This, things are not going well. Trees down on the way home, but they're still in good spirits. So to all the lads that are involved in that on the bus, lads and ladies, fair play to you. Keep keep those spirits up. Yeah, no, they um, obviously had a few beers. I think <laughs> <laughs> need it at the moment, don't we? Yeah, they do. We do. So. We'll be back next week, and um, yeah, we'll be interested to see what happens over the next few weeks, Clint. It certainly will. We'll have a guest next week as well, because it's a one-game week, and we'll, we'll get another voice on. But um, yeah, thanks to listening, everyone. I think it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. Ollie's taken the plunge, so um, yeah, if you've got any feedback on it, if you, you agree with Ollie or not, then uh, drop some line on the, the Salopcast Twitter account this week, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe use it next week and see where everyone stands uh, following Sunderland, I suspect, not in a very good place. So yes, enjoy your week, guys, and catch you next Sunday. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh!